0: First, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Audiophile, Nature's sound science series. I'm Noah Baker, and this episode, health under the flight path.
1: The sound of an aircraft going over is one of... um... I'm sorry, sounds masochistical, but sheer pleasure.
0: (laughs) That's Wendy. Wendy was an air stewardess.
1: I started off on Viscounts, Vanguards, Tridents 1, Tridents 2, Tridents uh, 3, Tristar. This
0: is an episode about airplanes, but it's also an episode about noise. How noise could affect us and the way we live our lives.
2: The noises I find particularly irritating, I think, are sort of electric drill noise or high-speed, kind of high-speed uh, mixer noises, those sort of high.
0: That's Stephen Stansfeld, a psychiatrist at Queen Mary University of London. He's convinced that noise impacts our health. I think that is a bit precious myself it's not shock
1: or a tilt swoon at the noise of an aircraft because it has such happy connotations
0: noise means different things to different people i want to know if there's more to noise than meets the eye or i suppose the ear impacts more worrying than just annoyance more pervasive than nostalgia
2: at first glance it does it doesn't seem obvious how it can affect your health but at the same time it has a lot of Interesting psychological and physical health effects.
0: When I first went to visit Wendy, it was a dull winter evening. Right,
1: turn there. can I get you some tea or coffee? Ooh, a cup a cup tea, of tea would be lovely, well, thank you. Now we can do. My name is Wendy Hallinan. Uh, I have lived here at this address. We moved in middle of 1974.
0: Wendy lives in Osterley, a West London suburb, just up the road from Heathrow one of the world's busiest airports and where she once worked.
1: You know, I was only going to do it for two years, just to go to a few parties and get my concessions, but sort of 18 years later I found the door out. It was that sort of party. It was just an incredible life.
0: Wendy's stewardess years were some of the happiest of her life and she regales me with tales of her time in the air.
1: <laughs> well, once I can tell you... <laughs> oh. Yes, loads. Uh, um, you know, the time the windscreen shattered, we were coming out of Zagreb. and the-
0: I could have listened to Wendy's stories for hours. In fact, I did. But I was here to talk about one defining feature of a life spent on aircraft noise
1: i can see it from two points of view as i said the aircraft go well i'm having friends round for lunch in the summer and the, you know woo, although it's not that loud i just can't complain because it's from whence cometh my pension But by the same token, uh, you you know, when when my boys were very young, you know, half past four, you know, you'd get the Boston coming in, and it would wake them up. So I can see it from both points of view. Well, look, come out and then... then,
0: Not long after I arrived, I was whisked outside to be shown the planes going overhead.
1: Oh, be careful. Oh, the squirrels. Do you know, we had the bird food up there on the shelf and during during the night the squirrels got up and uh, ate it. They they, Ah, good, good. No! See, quick, quick, quick! You see? You see? Great. That's fantastic.
0: I'd expected it to be noisy, but I have to say, I was struck by just how noisy it was, or rather, how distracting I found it. For a start, it ruined half my recordings. Unsurprisingly, Wendy disagreed with me.
1: It doesn't really bother me. I am afraid I'm not the good person to ask, am I, about... Do
0: you, do you not hear it?
1: Or... Oh, I hear it. I hear it. But, um... Unless... I said, unless when they woke the children up when they were very young, um... No, um... Whether it's because I'm used to it. I think possibly because I'm used to it. Even when Concord used, I used to love that. I mean, that was horrendous. You know, that really was, uh, but um, I'm terribly biased, obviously. But if, I, if you look at these poor souls, the schools under the flight path, as, as you go along the Bath Road, that really must be bad. But I think that they get used to it in a way. Don't forget, a lot of people round here work for the airline.
0: I don't work for an airline. Neither have I ever lived under a flight path, so I have no reason, economic or otherwise, to be accepting of plane noise. But in London, I live on a boat, and I do have a very high tolerance for the obnoxious squawking of ducks and coots. What's clear is the way we feel about noise is personal. What to me was intrusive and distracting, for Wendy, was filled with joy. She appeared genuinely surprised when I said I'd been affected by the noise during my short visit. Wendy's feelings about aircraft noise are, by her own admission, a special case. But it got me thinking, how can something so subjective be damaging to health? Could something Wendy loves so much actually be hurting her?
2: Hi, this is Stephen. Yes. I think not everybody accepts that um, research on noise and health is a genuine scientific project. It's, it's, it's somehow that sound waves can actually affect your health. People... People don't find that straightforwardly plausible, really. I am Professor Stephen Stansfeld. I'm both a psychiatrist and epidemiologist based at Queen Mary University of London.
0: I thought that a good place to start with, Stephen, would be just to define noise.
2: Noise is really unwanted sound. It's sounds that, that intrude, really, on people's... both on how they feel, but also... Um, on their everyday activities like watching TV or um, speaking on the phone.
0: Stephen's definition of noise, while perfectly reasonable, I found confusing. I mean, by that token, the planes above Wendy's house would have been noise to me and not noise to her. So which one is it that's supposed to be damaging our health? Perhaps I'm getting a bit too semantic here.
2: A few years ago, we carried out... Um, a large European study looking at the effects of road traffic and aircraft noise on children's cognition and health. Um, And what we found was a kind of exposure effect relationship between aircraft noise and particularly children's reading comprehension.
0: Now this work made sense to me. After all, it doesn't matter if you feel positively or negatively towards a noise. It can still be distracting.
2: There is a particular whole body of research looking at something called the irrelevant sound effect or the irrelevant speech effect. And that is that if you are trying to concentrate on a task and somebody is talking quite close to you, that can have a very specific effect on interrupting your concentration.
0: But according to Stephen, noise doesn't just have an effect on the mind it can impact the body as well.
2: In a way, the focus more recently, though, has been on finding relatively small effects, but nevertheless fairly consistent effects on cardiovascular health. The brain is set up so as to have a kind of obligatory response to noise. There is quite a long tradition of both animal research and laboratory research suggesting uh, acute effects of noise on things like blood pressure heart rate, skin conductance, um, which suggests a sort of orienting or defence startle response to acute loud noises. You know, you jump when you hear a noise. Um, And that's all pretty well demonstrated. What is much more difficult to demonstrate is the kind of chronic effects of noise exposure over long periods of time.
0: So, given enough time, noise could cause heart problems... But where does that leave Wendy? She's become accustomed to the airplanes. Surely we can all just become accustomed to noise. Is this all just a bit of a non issue? I think it's time we got back to planes, and in my case, onto one. I was travelling to Mainz in Germany to visit Frank Schmidt, a cardiologist who's taken a personal interest in noise.
3: So, uh, people can be affected by noise in different ways. There's, of course, this uh, very conscious way of being annoyed uh, and being stressed by noise, uh, which you can also report, then. And then there are other reactions like physiological reactions, increases in blood pressure that um, can be. affected, uh, even if you're yourself not in a conscious way affected by noise.
0: Like Wendy, Frank regularly has planes flying over his house from nearby Frankfurt Airport. But he was not such a fan.
3: Well, it often really depends on um, what what the wind direction is, actually.
0: All right, all right. Still, it's left enough of an impression on Frank for him to start investigating the tricky relationship between aircraft noise and the heart.
3: Studying something that uh, people may be not aware of um, is, of course, something that you cannot really um, assess by just asking questions or using questionnaires. And we decided to, first of all, look at people who are exposed to noise during sleep, because during sleep you're, um, you know, you're not always conscious of the noise.
0: Frank's experiment was simple. First he selected a group of people who had no particular feelings about aircraft noise. Then he gave them each a suitcase.
3: Patients had uh, things like this, suitcases like this, that they used to carry all the equipment to their homes. You know.
0: Inside their suitcases were various gadgets.
3: Taking this equipment that we used for uh, recording the um, data during the sleep, it's a polygraphy device and it is uh, very small and worn around the body, actually at chest height, with a belt and it, as you, see, you can see there's a number of cables that come out of the device. This allowed Frank to measure
0: the blood pressure, heart rate, sleep stage and movement of his subjects while they slept. Then the all-important noise, recordings of aircraft.
3: Together with the other equipment, um, had this uh, USB stick where the recordings were on. Then the patients just had to plug the USB sticks into the device and push start, and then uh, there was a uh, initial sound just that the participants or the patients in the second study knew that uh, the device was working, everything was fine. And then there was a silence period and uh, then uh, maybe um, noise was uh, played back or not. The participants would go to bed
0: dressed up like Robocop wearing the monitors and throughout the night they would be played a controlled number of airplane sounds, like this one. That's actually a sample from the study. The next day, the patients would come in for the final part of the study.
3: The most important thing we looked at was the vascular function and we didn't do that during the night but we did it on the morning after uh, because to measure vascular function you also have to Um, do things to the patients and you would wake him up if you did that during the night. In healthy subjects, which was the first study, there was kind of a dose-dependent reduction in uh, vascular functions or um, the, so to speak, the blood vessels got stiffer and the ability of the, the vessels to dilate was reduced. And also in patients who already have cardiovascular disease, who already had a heart attack, we found an even more pronounced effect. We know that there is uh, this reduction in dilation is associated with heart disease, so people who have uh, reduced dilation also have an increased risk of heart disease.
0: The thing which I think is most important here is that Frank's patients didn't necessarily wake up.
3: Even uh, in persons who didn't report uh, as bad a sleep quality could have large reductions in vascular functions, and people who felt very uh, disturbed sleep and very annoyed during sleep maybe only had small reductions in vascular functions. There doesn't seem to be a, a group or a way of identifying an individual that is not affected. So. Uh, while, while cognitively or from a cortical standpoint you can adapt to it and you don't feel annoyed. The cardiovascular system seems to adapt a lot less to those uh, noisy stimuli.
0: The more noise that Frank exposed his patients to, the greater the effect on their vasculature, something called a dose-dependent relationship.
3: You kind of hope that you see any kind of effect, but if you see a dose-dependent effect, this is of course very, um, very reassuring that what you measure is really uh, true. You know, and uh, that was uh, in in terms of you know seeing the study results, a positive surprise. On the other hand, of course, it means that uh, noise really affects the cardiovascular system, and um, this is of course not something to be happy about.
0: But it's not just aircraft noise that Frank himself is thinking
3: about. Uh, right now, I have I have two newborn children, and if they uh, and if they cry in the morning, that's that's also of an infection and you're, you're getting very, very alert, but you're not as annoyed, annoyed by that noise. <laughs> it would be interesting if this uh, noise that, uh, that the babies produce also uh, cause a change in vascular function, but I'm not going to do that study. Because you so, don't want to find out the answer? Uh, I don't want to know the answer.
0: <laughs> Frank's work is still in the very early stages. There have only been two studies thus far, but it does sound compelling. I can't get one niggle out of my head though. The people that he worked with weren't used to plane noise. In fact, he specifically chose people who didn't regularly experience plane noise. What about people like Wendy? People that have spent much of their life exposed to this noise regularly. Can we really not adapt? I have one more stop on my journey, back to London and to Imperial College to meet Dr. Anna Hansel, an epidemiologist who's taking a broad view on things.
4: I think that's the really interesting thing about noise is that it's not just the exposure, it's how the individual reacts to it. Um, we don't know how that translates into potential health impacts like effects on blood pressure. I'm Anne Hansel, I'm the Assistant Director of the Small Area Health Statistics Unit. A lot of the studies that we look at, you have a, a defined exposure of, uh, you know, a metal or particulates in the air or a, a gaseous exposure, and uh, you, you you don't need to think about qualitative perception of that because your body just reacts in a you know a biological way to that uh, exposure. Uh, but noise really is difficult different because not only uh, you know you ha- you have the actual dose that you're exposed to but then there's processing um, within the brain of how you receive that and how your body responds to it and um, that really does raise some very interesting scientific questions.
0: Questions which are as yet unanswered. Frank believed that it was highly likely that the effects he's been seeing during sleep would also occur during waking hours but the studies are yet to be done if they're even possible. Our conscious minds are so changeable and awkward to work with it may never be possible to get a complete understanding. Anna's work in some ways is the polar opposite of Frank's. Instead of highly controlled physiological experiments, Anna tries to look at the big picture.
4: In an epidemiological study, what we're doing is looking at the situation that people live in. So we're not controlling how much exposure people have um, to um, aircraft noise or road noise or rail noise. We're measuring the types of exposure that we have, that they have. And um, we know that it's not always 100% perfect. So we try and measure it over a a large range of people so that the errors are sort of minimised across a a large population.
0: Anna's latest study on noise was centred in London.
4: Um, Well, we called it the Heathrow Study. There's a much longer title in the um, British Medical Journal, but uh, we were looking at the um, population who were exposed to aircraft noise from Heathrow.
0: That's where Wendy lives.
4: And uh, we looked at a population which ended up to be 3.6 million people who were potentially under the flight path. And um, we um, compared... uh, the hospital admission and uh, mortality risks for heart disease and stroke and um, related that to what the exposure was from uh, aircraft noise. Anna's
0: results were striking.
4: Well, we, we found overall that in the areas with the highest noise exposure, there was between a 10 to 20% increase in risk of both uh, hospital admission and, uh, and death from heart disease and stroke. So
0: noise is clearly linked in some way to heart disease here. But let's have a look at those numbers again. The areas with highest noise exposure only represent around 2% of the people in Anna's study. That's roughly 70,000 people. By the way, it's difficult to know for sure if Wendy lives in one of these high-risk areas, but it's likely that she does. Hospital admissions and mortality from cardiovascular disease and stroke increased by 10 to 20%. That seemed to me to be a lot, but it's about ten times less than the risk of something like smoking. Anna doesn't see her results as absolute proof of noise's impacts on health just yet, but they are important, and she's had a strong reaction to her work.
4: I think certainly in the, in the, in the public consciousness, the idea that this might potentially also have uh, other more serious health impacts um, is something that people have been quite concerned about.
0: Even though everyone I've spoken to has emphasised that, although their results are compelling, they're still in the early stages, I couldn't help but worry. Should I buy some earplugs? Move to the countryside? Ground all planes? But Anna takes a much more reasoned view.
4: Noise is a fact of life. Uh, You know, people are so used to having noise exposure, living in noisy environments. Uh, You know, I, I don't think the general population have any problem with accepting that there are you know different levels of risk. I think there's a really important scientific question here though because if noise um, is established as having a, a dose response relationship and impacting on um, heart disease and stroke um, even if that's a, a small percentage if you spread that across a population it could be a, an appreciable number of people and it's what we call a modifiable exposure so it doesn't have to happen so you know I think it's quite important um, on all sorts of levels, to have information um, and a way of being able to decide what's an acceptable risk and, you know, what, what society as a whole might uh, intervene and have regulations, guidelines or, or laws to try and minimise exposure to. In the
0: course of making this episode, I found myself flipping from, at one extreme, not really buying what I'm being told, to the other extreme, panicking that I'm going to have a heart attack the next time I see a plane. But now I think my feelings are somewhere in the middle. As newspapers are keen to tell you, it seems that everything will give you cancer, or a heart attack, or make you fat, or blind, or diabetic, or give you asthma. But in reality, even though I know that, physiologically, say, a peanut butter cupcake isn't going to do me much good, I am absolutely still going to eat them wherever and whenever I can. They are delicious. That doesn't mean that peanut butter cupcakes aren't bad for me, or that we should ignore the significant risks of fatty foods. It just means that people should know the potential consequences of their cupcake delights. Honestly, they're really good. Maybe that, in culinary terms, is how I feel about noise. I ended my journey back with Wendy. So some of the researchers I've been speaking to, they're looking at the way that the noise might affect your heart and the health of your heart. I explained to her a little about Frank's work, and she considered it carefully.
1: Yes, that might be true. might add to stress... Um, I'm still alive. Mm. Um, But has anybody done any um, surveys of the mortality rates then?
0: I told her about Anna's work and she thought about it and again seemed surprised.
1: I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Gosh, one other thing to worry about.
0: I did worry I was casting a dark cloud over our conversation. But then I asked how she felt her neighbours would react to the news.
1: By large, I think they'd ignore it. You know, once you move out of this area, you can't afford to move back in again. It, you know, like I say, you know, you've got the tube. No, 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 It. they wouldn't rush to sell their houses. No, they wouldn't. It's not Ebola, is it? Life is full of risks. Yes, it won't make me move, the fact that I might have a heart condition because of the noise. It's too late. 18 years I was
0: there. The damage is done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My dear, <clears throat> too late, she cried.
0: So maybe Wendy isn't worried because there's no action she can really take to make her situation more peaceful. Or maybe she feels like she can consciously cancel out the impacts, just ignore them, or maybe even wear earplugs. But I think the real reason Wendy wasn't worried can be heard in one story she told me, one sort of plain noise she remembers especially well, a beautiful example of our ability to prioritize what's really important.
1: Oh, beautiful things. I don't know if you've ever heard of the cellist Jacqueline Dupre. The last flight to go to Edinburgh, Glasgow and Belfast was paid for by the GPO because it was full of newspapers and it didn't take passengers unless you knew. So uh, the Cognescente knew that that they could bum a lift on this, about two in the morning. Well one night, Jacqueline Dupre came on with her cello, and uh, because we had nothing to do, uh, in the back cabin, she played her cello at 23,000 feet to us all the way from Edinburgh to London. Now that to me, that was worth all the aggravation. It was wonderful)